You're listening to Beyond Leadership. I'm your host, Sarah Mae Chipchinski, and I want to use the lessons I've learned from 15 years of leadership experience in business, politics, nonprofit, and the military to help you break through the BS of everyone else's expectations so you can lead as your authentic self. Join me every week as I give you tangible ways you can have more influence, more cohesion, more innovation, and more peace of mind when you lay your head down at night. Because leadership is about so much more than just leading. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Beyond Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I know that you could be doing a million different things. And since you're listening to a podcast, you could be listening to a hundred different leadership podcasts, but you're here. And I believe you're here for a reason. Whatever that reason is, I am glad you are here. And for taking the time and spending your time here, what I'm hoping I can do today is give some of that time back. Because today we are going to be talking about delegation, right? That dirty, dirty D word that so many leaders loathe, delegation. But we're going to talk about why we don't do it, why we should do it, and how we do it. Delegation is one of the most important things that I have learned and had to time and time again relearn throughout my leadership journey. So first, let's talk about why we don't do it. Number one reason that people don't do it is that they think they're going to lose time by delegating. They think that having to teach someone to do something that they've already been doing is is going to be a waste of time. You're going to lose those hours and you could just do it quicker by yourself. I've been there. I get that. At the beginning of this pandemic, I was working in an operation center. We were working uh, numbers and data analytics for COVID. And instead of asking for help, I allowed myself to get so overwhelmed and worn down by doing every single menial analytical task for the entire operation that it wore me the fuck out. I was stressed out at work. I was stressed out at home. I was snapping at my husband, at my kid. I was not a pleasant person to be around because I thought that I had to do everything myself. I thought that asking for help and having to teach somebody else how to do it, how to do this thing that I'd been doing for weeks would make me lose time and that I could just do it faster if I did it myself. I finally broke down. Not after weeks, unfortunately not after days, but after a couple of months and got some help. And I am so much happier right now. I even found time to go on vacation because I was able to teach those tasks and delegate them down. So now I am working on higher level analytics instead of spending the the time doing the day-to-day stuff. So with that, another reason people don't delegate is because they think they're going to lose control. Let me say this about control. 
You can either have control of your organization or you can have growth. You cannot have both. If you are holding so tight to the reins of everything you are trying to do, you are not giving your organization and the people in that organization a chance to breathe or grow or be innovative. Let go of the control. And one way to do that is by simply delegating tasks that you don't need as the leader of your organization to be doing. Maybe you're afraid of not getting credit. And if that is you, please let this be your wake-up call. You shouldn't be getting credit for everything that your organization does in the first place. That's piss-poor leadership. You, as a leader, when you get praise, should be pushing that down to the people who are actually doing the work. And that person shouldn't be you. Leaders take responsibility and they own that responsibility. Leaders pass on the praise. Good leaders pass on the praise. Maybe there's a lack of trust in your organization and that's why you choose not to delegate. So if if that's the problem and you don't trust the people who you have hired or who work with or work for you, if you don't trust them, that is a problem for you to solve. Either you need to learn how to trust them and you're not going to get to trust them unless you allow them to do things and move forward or you need to put on your big girl pants and you need to have that conversation and you need to let that person go if they have shown that they are not worthy of your trust. And that is a whole other conversation and that is a hard as hell conversation to have. But a lack of trust is going to kill your organization every single time. I've seen it happen before. And we get back to that that I can do it better mentality. Maybe you can. Maybe you can't. If it's not something that's in one of your strengths as a leader, find somebody on your team maybe who who has that strength. Here's a good example. So Taylor Swift, right? Maybe you're not obsessed with Taylor Swift like I am, but I am a huge Taylor Swift fan to the point where like, my bachelorette party started with a Taylor Swift concert. It was a whole thing. But Taylor Swift has these same 24 hours in a day as you do and as I do. It seems to me like Taylor Swift gets a shit ton more done than I do because she has people. She delegates tasks. She writes her music. She plays her music. She doesn't worry about all of the other tasks associated with building her brand and her empire. She has people to do that for her. Those are things that she delegates down. And I would be willing to bet that Taylor Swift also understands that you can't do it all and do it all better thinking that you are going to just multitask because multitasking is a lie. That's right. I said it. Multitasking is a lie. So many people, and specifically women, pride themselves on our ability to multitask. Um, 
it was on my resume at one point. I'm really good at multitasking. So there's been actual psychological research recently that has shown that when you multitask, you're actually splitting your attention and it takes more energy to switch back and forth between the two or sometimes three or however many tasks that you're doing. And using that energy to switch back and forth between those tasks because your brain can actually only focus on one at a time, it inhibits critical thinking, it inhibits creative thinking, and in those inhibitions, it actually makes you 20% less productive than you would be if you just focused on one single task. So why don't we delegate? Because we think we can multitask or because we think we don't know how. And again, this was me. I would never, never delegate because I am the type of leader that would never ask my people to do something that I can't do or that I haven't done. And that's all well and good, but I have learned that I can try it, I can figure it out, I can know how to do it, but I can still delegate things that are not within my strengths. So these are reasons why we don't delegate. We think we'll lose time, we'll lose control, we won't get credit, there's no trust, I think I can do it better. And I just simply don't know how to delegate because I've never done it, I've never had to. I've always thought that I could multitask and do it myself. These are all really plausible and seemingly good reasons not to delegate, not to give someone else the responsibility of something or to give them the task or the authority to do something else. But here's reasons why you should. You're actually going to gain time back, right? After you teach someone, yes, there is that initial investment of time. You are going to have to have somebody learn how to do, especially if it's a a task that gets done regularly, you're going to have to teach someone how to do that task. You're going to have to teach them how to do it right and how to do it to standard. But after that, if that task took you, say, 15 minutes a day, maybe it takes you 30 minutes or even an hour to teach someone else how to do that. So in one week's time, you've already made back. You've already made back your time. And in two weeks time and in three weeks time and in a month and in a year, think of how much time you as a leader now have back to work on leadership, top level priorities because you were able to give that one task away that takes 15 minutes to do. Somebody else can do that. Delegating is also going to help your organization grow and it is going to foster a a spirit of innovation when you are giving people the authority to do things that they wouldn't have gotten to do otherwise. You're giving them the ability to solve problems. And when people are in that habit of solving problems and they're able to innovate new creative solutions, one, they take ownership of that. 
they're more invested in the solution and in the company for allowing them to have a voice in the solution. And your people on the ground, the ones doing the actual work, are going to come up with better, more creative, more sensical solutions often than the leadership at the high level will. Because they're the ones on the ground doing it. They're the ones seeing the problems. They're the ones who understand the the mechanisms of how everything works. Another thing you're going to get if you start delegating is you're going to get trust. You're going to get cohesion. Again, they're going to buy into what they're doing if they're actually doing it instead of you doing something and them doing menial tasks. That's going to foster an environment of teamwork, of good morale, um, of unity and cohesion. And especially in these times that we're in right now, who couldn't use more teamwork and cohesion? And another reason that we should delegate is because while we may think that we can do it better, that's not true. There is always, no matter what position you are in or what you think, there is always going to be someone who can do it better than you. Being a leader is being able to work within your strengths. And it's being able to understand the strengths of the people that work with and for you. And if you play to those strengths, you you work within yours and you assign uh, tasks to other people that have other strengths, they are going to be better at that. It is going to seem easier for them than it is for you. It is going to be more fun for them than it is for you. It's just going to quite simply be easier. Life will be easier if you play to your strengths. That doesn't mean you ignore your weaknesses and don't try to be better in those areas of life. But if you can readjust your focus, you're going to have a better, more well-rounded team if you have people with different strengths. Okay, so we know why we don't. We know why we should. But how do we actually delegate? You might think it's as simple as saying, hey, go do this. Go get me coffee. Technically, yes, Asking someone to go get your coffee is delegating a task. Technically, yes, it is going to save you time, but it is not going to foster growth or innovation. It sure as hell isn't going to foster trust or any sort of uh, camaraderie or cohesion. And maybe someone else can order your coffee better, but that seems like a you problem. That shouldn't be the focus of of your job, of what you're doing as a leader. So how do we actually delegate? Uh, There's a really good article by Harvard Business Review, which I go back to time and time again. Harvard Business Review has some great, uh, not just business articles, but also psychoanalytics. Um, And they have this one article that talks about how we delegate. Uh, Harvard says there are seven steps to doing it. And the first is knowing what to delegate. So again, it's not, it's not the go get me coffee. It's not necessarily the big projects either. Example, if you're a surgeon, maybe you don't want to delegate 
a triple bypass surgery to a resident or to a nurse in her second year. Knowing what to delegate is important. Uh, Making sure that it is something meaningful and that it's not just a task. So we can delegate two things. We can delegate tasks, which are just jobs, and we can delegate authority, the ability to progress and the ability to, uh, to make meaningful change. So you have to, have to know what to delegate. One way that I do this, and I've done this for several years now, at the beginning of my week, I sit down with my calendar, I put in all my appointments, I do, I do my time blocking, but when I'm trying to figure out all of the things that I have to get done throughout the week, I do a brain dump list. And if you are not familiar with a brain dump list, it's, it's this, let me explain. I take a piece of paper and I literally write down every single thing that I have to do throughout the week. That's it. Super simple. That's my brain dump. Literally dump everything from my brain onto paper. And then I look at it and I go, okay, what can my nanny do? What can my husband do? What can I delegate away so that I don't have to do it? And then I'm left with a list of things that are important and that only I can do. Make sense? It's what this has done for me is it has allowed me to clear time in my schedule to do what I'm good at, to play in my strengths. And since I'm not doing all those other things, I'm not the one loading and unloading the dishwasher most of the time. I'm not the one doing my kiddos laundry most of the time because I have a wonderful, amazing nanny and friend who's basically like family now who can help me out with those tasks so that I have more time to do things like this podcast, and play in my creative space. So know what to delegate. Make your dump list. Figure out what only you can do. Push the rest away. Find somebody who can help you with it. And if you don't know somebody or don't have somebody on your team who can help you with it, maybe you think about hiring a new position to help you with certain areas of your business. Which brings us to the next point, which is uh, Harvard says you need to play to your strengths and play to the strengths of your people as well. So if someone's main strength is analytics, right, we don't want to delegate creative tasks to them necessarily. Um, Maybe, yeah, put them on the team, help them grow, help them... uh, work on what they might consider a weakness, but play to people's strengths. It's going to make them happier. It's like I said before, just going to make life easier if you're playing to strengths. The third one, and I think this is one of the the more important how-tos, is you have to define your desired outcome. Um, In the army, we call this mission command, right? We are defining the end state. This is the ultimate goal of what I want to have happen. We don't say, again, I'm going to use my my army example. Um, You will get an order that says, go take that hill, right? You're not necessarily, and hopefully you are not, and you shouldn't get 
an order that says, okay, go left, four clicks, sneak around the back, come up in this formation, and then do this maneuver and take the hill this way. That's incredibly micromanaging and ineffective because then that person on the ground who's leading that mission is not going to have any wiggle room or leeway to change direction or change the course if something's in the way. If you give a desired outcome, you provide the, that purpose, that direction, and let your people play to their strengths and go solve the problem, you're delegating that problem, they're going to come up with a creative solution. But along with defining that desired outcome, you also need to provide them with a couple of other things. Uh, one, the resources they need, and two, the authority that that problem requires. Uh, again, we talk about delegating both tasks and authority. Um, we need to make sure that we are allowing them what they need as far as not just resources, so making sure that they have all of the things available they need, but making sure that they have that authority and that confidence to be able to carry out whatever it is you're asking them to do to solve that problem. As we're working on these projects, as our people are working on these, these tasks and missions that they have delegated to them, trying to solve these problems, we have to be sure to establish clear communication channels. And this goes both ways. And this should not just be you saying, what are you working on? What are you working on? What are you working on? Communication is a two-way street. And if you are not using it as such, you are using communication wrong. You are then talking at someone instead of having a conversation. Having this, this clear communication uh, will help to course correct, if course correction is necessary. It'll provide an ability to check in. It allows you to get to know your people, make sure that you're delegating the right problem sets to the right people. And it just makes for an all-around better organization. Two more things that... Harvard Business Review says you need to do in order to, de to delegate. And these two kind of go hand in hand. One, allow for failure. I understand that this is scary and that as a business owner or as a leader, you don't want to fail. Nobody ever wants to fail. But Unless it is a life or death situation, unless you're that surgeon who's delegating the triple bypass, again, wouldn't recommend, but unless it's a life or death situation, failure is the number one way that people can learn. You can absolutely learn from failure. And so long as nobody's getting hurt and it doesn't put your business completely under, learning from failure is a good thing. People are going to take those lessons to heart. They're not going to make those mistakes again. They're going to learn maybe a hundred ways that it didn't work. What's the story that Edison created a, a thousand things before he actually got the light bulb to work? That is the kind of failure that we should be allowing. That's the kind of failure that quite honestly we should be encouraging. But on the flip side of that, we need to give credit where credit is due. 
again, this goes back to good leaders take responsibility and they pass on praise. So if you give a problem set to a team or to an individual, you delegate that authority to solve that problem and they do a really freaking good job and they came up with some innovative solution that you never could have come up with in a thousand years. You need to find a way to recognize those team members, those employees for their work. It doesn't have to be a fancy car or a Rolex or anything expensive. A lot of times it's just at the next company meeting saying, hey, and this is how we're going to do this from now on. Uh, congrats to Sophia for being the one who came up with this solution. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you went about doing this? Giving them that spotlight, allowing them to to take the credit and to to be the one who has their name on the thing. Again, as a leader, that doesn't need to be you and it shouldn't be you. Doing this is, again, going to foster a a sense of camaraderie, of cohesion, and it's going to make people want to work for you when you are willing to recognize the work that people do. And that is one of the most coveted attributes that a leader can have is that people love to and want to work for them. So quick down and dirty, right, on delegation on why we don't do it, why we should do it, how to do it, and how to do it properly. Um, If you follow these steps, I promise you, you are going to have more time, more growth, more trust, and more peace in your organization and in your leadership abilities. And who doesn't want that? So I hope that you take these steps. I hope that you found something that is going to be useful for you and you can put it into practice. I would love to hear Uh, over on social media, how you do put this into practice and how you are now delegating tasks, whether it's in your business or in your home. I I would love to hear your takeaways from this episode. And I'd also really appreciate if you join me next week for the next episode of this podcast where I am going to have my friend Amy Berry come talk about her habit of journaling delegation, something leaders don't really like to do, journaling, something a lot of leaders might think is a a little wonky. But I promise you, Amy is going to talk about this habit of journaling and how it changed her life and helped her launch a business. I cannot wait to talk to you next time on the Beyond Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I sincerely hope that you got something out of today that you are going to be able to take and use on your journey to wherever it is you're going. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and share your takeaways on social media. Don't forget to tag me at Sarah May Ski on Instagram. While you're waiting for the next episode, please check out our exclusive Beyond Leadership community over on Facebook to connect with more like-minded and like-hearted individuals dedicated to learning, leading, and encouraging right alongside you every day. Until next time, let's go.